Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FAM, Friends and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name's Bill Grennan, everyone calls me Brasky, and as always, I'm joined by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Conan Hawk, Eric Hawkins, and Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher. Oh my goodness, the entire gang is back together. What's up, FAM? Hello. How we doing? Back again. Back I like when when Brasky says my name, I always get so excited because I think we're supposed to say hi then and we're not and I always forget. Then when he says Eric's name, Eric just doesn't move in any way. And then Sean also just gets happy when he's when he hears his name. I'm just happy in general. It's true. It's like Um, when people say my name, it does make me smile a little. Were you expecting me to do literally anything at any point? Yeah. (laughs) That was your first mistake. Brasky, how many times did you have to clap before this episode started? Well, you know, I have to make a, I have to kind of recognize where I cut our recording so I can start the podcast. And when I make that cut, it's usually nice. I can make the cut and then go about my day making the podcast. And then occasionally I make the cut and then Caroline decides to start putting random claps in before we actually start. So that when I edit this podcast, Lord knows where I'm going to start this thing. But well, I can just I can just picture as I'm struggling to edit this thing, I can just picture your just your grin from just ear to ear, knowing that you have just ruined my editing day. Which is terrible considering you told us that you have a headache. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I wanted to remind you that you like us and that we're back. I appreciate it. We are back. <laughs> we're back again. Back at it with another week of Friends and Magic. And since it's been another week of Friends and Magic, how has everyone's week been? Mr. Toolshed, that's what I want to know from you. Yeah, so thanks for asking. Good to be back. You know, I was gone last week. Um, I was in Indy over the weekend, had a lot of fun. My friend did really well. Our teammate actually did really well. Um, he got second in the tournament, so that was pretty cool. Um, and we'll talk about Weinberg is our friend. Oh, yeah. Ben Weinberg. Second <laughs> place. Name for some yeah. We continue our tradition of not naming things on this podcast. Be they games, locations, or actual people, we will hold on to those spoilers as long as possible. My favorite is the one where we name random magic cards and then we just don't describe what they do. That's my favorite part. Last week, we just didn't name worlds. <laughs> like... <laughs> We just well, we it's because it was like it was like the next topic. So yeah. I like I started us off, and I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to just be like starting talking about worlds when the next topic is worlds. So <laughs> it's a tournament happened this weekend. That we will was not pretty discuss big. it. <laughs> yeah. A tournament that shall not be named until three minutes from now. Yeah, Ben. Actually, this is will be three players tour in, tours in a row, right? Without a requalification. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, he he played in Richmond and he played in Phoenix and then he and now he gets to play in Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. he's crushing it. That's he's pretty dope. Good. Yeah, Ben, kind of good. Uh, he's yeah, he's all, he's, he's okay. <laughs> he's not one of our tens of listeners, so we can say whatever. Yeah, exactly. he's he's all right. He's kind of he's kind of amazing at magic, but it's yeah, it's whatever. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought you were supposed to rip on him, not not give him. Yeah, I don't think you have oh, the right. Rest. Dang it, I'm really bad at ripping. That's just my thing. It's like, just oh yeah, that one out. Here. oh yeah, Ben, Ben, <laughs> Ben, so Ben, so bad at magic. He goes undefeated. He can't even lose. <laughs> Nine and zero. Oh, Jeez, what a scrub. Someone tries too hard. <laughs> I bet you even copied his deck from the internet. I bet. <laughs> Dirty net decker. I, if he was a real player, he would have brought a popper deck to a pioneer game and actually won with it. Did he just lose to Pete twice in the weekend? Ingram? Did, did Ben lose uh, to yeah, he, yeah. He, he lost, lost him around to... 10 and then the finals, right? Yeah. 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 So that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> well, I think then, their deck was just, like, better situated, yeah. right? He also lost to that blue-white player in the Swiss and then got his revenge in the top eight. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, nothing that sweeter. Really cool. Nothing sweeter than a revenge in the top oh, eight, right? Oh, yeah. Ben, ben was saying that the, uh, the inverter deck was, like, incredible that weekend for... Uh, uh, the folks that made the top eight with it. So I wonder if people diluted their sideboard or something, had a bunch of dampening spheres. Spheres? Damping spheres? Dampening? <laughs> okay, there's been a bit of an issue where I say dampening. Is it a damping? It's damping. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no... You're not making it wetter. <laughs> <laughs> Dampening, yes. It's like... That's, new, that's what I say. New magic card, moist towelette. It's an equipment. 
<laughs> Ooh, new sponsor. <laughs> oh, nice. It costs one. It makes your creature aquatic. Like that does anything. <laughs> it it, it swims underneath all of the things. So creatures with flying can't block the aquatic creatures because they f- swim underneath yeah. the water. Maybe it has to cl- it has to clean up something dirty. Like it's got to like it's got to get in there and like wash something off. So maybe it has like it's got crew one on top of it. That kind of thing. Wow, wizard should really call us. You can really tell it's been a while since we've been together because we just spent the last couple minutes trolling each other. Pretty. You good. haven't even finished your intro. And yeah. All my things to say. Tell us how That's your week was. Part. Not the week I didn't of even your feel friends. Like I got trolled. <laughs> yeah. So I got to watch Ben dominate that tournament, and then. I unfortunately did not do very well in the open, but I was able to rally back in the classic. You know, we'll talk about that later. But thanks to Caroline's once again infinite wisdom, I was able to. The result that should not be named. (laughs) (laughs) Had a pretty good classic. I was able to take home. uh, I ended up trading in all my tickets for boxes of sleeves, but it was definitely a nice 10 packs of sleeves. Hey, Brasky, um, do you mind just sending me a small sound clip? Uh, from this podcast. I'll just talk to you later about what it is, but just mark down somewhere around the last three I, minutes. I'm going to assume it's something along the lines of Caroline's infinite wisdom. Well, that she yeah. has that sent to the F4. It's going to be my, my alerts for Discord. Well, <laughs> I was going to ask our tens of listeners to send us what the next new magic card would have been, so you can tweet at us at Swagoy Gaming. Oh. I would have told them to tell us what the new card Caroline's infinite wisdom would have been. Probably an enchantment of some sort, but instead... Uh, I need another enchantment card. Caroline's Infinite Ego is going to be a different <laughs> one. I need, I need to figure out what that card is, and you can let us know by tweeting at us, at Swagoy Gaming, and what you think each of those cards would be. But I know what I think. I think I want to know how Conan Hawk's week has been. How was your week in magic, my friend? Less magical than usual. Basically, been getting ready for this trip this weekend. Uh, my girlfriend and I will be going to go see her grandpa, uh, out in New York, so getting some stuff done before that happens, and back to back to the daily schedule tomorrow, which is exciting because I I need to play a little bit more Magic to get ready for this weekend for the uh, Mythic Point Challenge. It's important sometimes when you just when you get off your usual daily schedule for a while. We we are creatures of habit, and sometimes when you're off that schedule for a little bit, you just you feel a little off in so many different ways. So when you get back on that schedule, you just kind of take a moment like ah. Okay, I know that now everything feels right for a second. Yeah, I hate change. I'm I'm a big I'm a big non fan of anything new. It's like coming home to your bed after staying in a hotel for a couple of days. You just like lay down in your crappy bed and you're like, oh man, this is the best. Wow, you, you guys are describing my weekend. This is great. I just got home today. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about how Welcome your week has been. Bed. Well, my week has not been full of magic in any way. But it has instead been full of engagements on Twitter and snow. <laughs> so feel free if you want a full summary of my weekend, because I think I did a pretty good job actually tweeting about it. Um, there's a nice connected thread on my Twitter, um, which you should know, but follow along till the end of the episode if you do not know my Twitter. Um, and then also I went skiing slash snowboarding um, with, eight or seven other friends uh only which two three of us total skied every day that we were there and then two other of the guests skied one day each on different days and both of them stopped after 45 minutes unfortunately uh so there was really only three skiers and then the rest of the group was really there for something very different um and which you'll see if you did follow along on my twitter but between all eight of us we brought over 60 board games and then they spent the entire five days that we were there just playing infinite board games. It was crazy. Like I would, I was texting people I'd be like, Oh, like I'm, you know, I'm in the village. I'm going to eat some lunch. So anyone want to come for lunch? They're like, Oh no, we're an hour four of like <laughs> blah, 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 Euro game. And I'm like, okay. Sure. Oh, I love that game, blah 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 Euro game. So yeah. much fun. Hours of entertainment. It's, it's actually a Kickstarter, so you know you can get on it really early. <laughs> it's just like hour four of twelve. Like Yeah. And so I I did play some board games. I didn't play a ton, but there was one really cool one that, that I would play again. The rest were blah 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 Euro games, so <laughs> I didn't like them too much. Um but we did enjoy so this was during the day. We you know myself uh, my friend Hayu and her boyfriend were off skiing and snowboarding. And then in the evenings, we would often go for dinner. 
uh, play some like more group games. And then one evening um, we actually went and did something called snow tubing. Uh, so imagine like a giant inflatable tube that you can, that you would like float on at the lake or pull, get pulled behind a boat, basically that exact tube. But instead it was on a hill um, made of snow uh, and had a bunch of roly poly hill things. I'm demonstrating a great example of it in this video call. Um, and so you would take this like uh, kind of magic carpet thing that would pull you up to the top of the hill and you wouldn't have to do any work. You just stand on this carpet holding your tube, looking very excited as a 30 year old. And then when you got to the top, you just sit in your tube and you go down the hill. <laughs> it's very fun. Um, but they let you do basically anything. So we did a lot of like all five of, there was only five of us at this event, but like we did all five of us going down together. Uh, we would race down at the same time. We we did one thing where uh, my friend Sam was in the front and then I was in the middle and then Ben, a different Ben was behind me. And we would all go down together and then Ben would release us and like kick us forward. And then I would kick Sam forward. So we called it like a three-stage rocket ship. Yeah. New magic <laughs> card, three-stage rocket ship. Some type of vehicle that way that is what that one needs to be. I hope you I hope you rip the card into three. <laughs> so that was really fun. But the reason I bring up the tubing was because on the way back, um, it you know we had to kind of walk to this main gondola that was going to get us to dinner. And as we were walking, there was like this bridge. The bridge wasn't really wasn't a real bridge. There was a small creek underneath, but it it wasn't anything crazy. But we were walking across this bridge, and there was this kid. And his half of his body was like on the snow next to the bridge. And then the other half of his body was dangling through this hole that leads to like the creek, I guess. And it, it was like a bit of a drop, but not anything scary. And his family was just walking away. And so I was, I didn't know what to do. Cause I was like, okay, it's clearly that his family is interacting with the kid in some way and they're frustrated. So they're leaving. So he must be messing around, but also he's not getting out of the hole. <laughs> So I decided to run up to him and ask, I was like, hey, are you, are you actually, are you just messing around or are you legitimately stuck? And the kid goes, I'm legitimately stuck. <laughs> I was like, oh shoot, okay. So I had to like, I like, I grabbed him, but I also didn't want to just be like touching and grabbing a child in public. I was like so nervous about it. So I was like holding onto his hands and like waved his mom back. So, so the mom ran back and then again, same thing. Like I wanted to hit the mom to do most of the work because it's not that I didn't want to. It's just like, I'm aware of like how weird it was, but we really couldn't get him out because his pants were getting stuck on the bridge, like on the like fence that we had. Um, so eventually very carefully, we did pull him out and, and he was actually getting kind of like uncomfortable because we kept yanking his, his upper body. <laughs> so he had pants on. Um, but when we pulled him out all the way, his boot fell off and fell into the creek. <laughs> and so then my other friend who was with me jumped down and climbed into the, the gully and was trying to get the boot, but it was really, really black and dark. And his mom kept going, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We have boots at home. It's okay. Which by the way is a meme and very funny. And so she just kept telling us not to get this kid's boot that was just in the middle of the creek and we're in the middle of this like snow area. He's not going to be able to walk without a boot on. <laughs> And eventually uh, we, we rescued the boot and we were heroes. And then she made him, we were like walking ahead because we were done. And she like made him like chase us down and say thank you to each of us and everything. It was very cute. Saving bootless children <laughs> from a certain creaky demise. You truly had a wonderful, wonderful week. I, I believe I was a hero, but no one else said that. So it was confusing. But, <laughs> but as long as you believe it, that's... <laughs> well, I ordered t-shirts. So Oh, great. Yeah, they'll be here soon. Are we going to add them to our merch store that doesn't exist yet? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with our Patreon. Along with the cool Galaxy hoodie. Brasky, did you order that yet? Uh, the Galaxy hoodie? Not yet. Uh, I have not. I felt that I have not yet earned a Galaxy hoodie. Uh, the second that I can earn something that is as awesome as Caroline wears, uh, then then I will rock that Galaxy hoodie. But I have, yeah. I have like I have not saved a child from certain demise. Uh, or, I was gonna say it. You know, or I think like it that. starts there. Yeah. I don't know what what kind of like accomplishment I need to get your Gengar hoodie, but like whatever that is, I'm going for that. That's what yeah. I'm shooting for. <laughs> this is for when I'm in a dark mood. 
Oh, my, God. My, okay. my ghostly Gengar hoodie. <laughs> the darker timeline. Well, whether you're shooting for galaxy hoodies or shooting for Gengar hoodies or, like some people, shooting for mythic points because that's where they want to go on their careers of Magic the Gathering as they hit the competitive side of things. And we're going to hit that this weekend here with the Mythic Point Challenge. And this is the February Mythic Point Challenge for uh, Ikoria. And so this one, I think, like the, the sign-ups for it start up on Thursday, but the event itself is on Saturday. This is one of those events that's the, uh, you know, you finish top 1,200 in Mythic for a certain amount of time during one of the seasons, and then you're eligible to start this tournament. Uh, some of us have competed in events like this in the past. Some of us, Conan Hawk, have done quite well and hit 10 wins before. Um, but there's going to be another one coming up this weekend, and I'm interested to get people's thoughts on how they think everything's going to go, how many wins they think they're going to do, what decks they want to prepare. And Conan Hawk, since you perhaps have uh, the most experience in things like this, I want to start off with you. What are your thoughts and feelings? How are you, uh, how are you looking to go into this, uh, this Mythic Point Challenge, if you are going to go into it this weekend? And if not, what decks do you think people will play that will do well? I expect to be able to play this weekend. I will be traveling, but um, I think it's going to work out where I will be able to play my rounds. I actually just bought a brand new laptop just today so that I can do that. Um, that also, and also the, the DreamHack events, uh, so I can travel and play in those. I can say one thing, what I expect this, this weekend is I expect to play long matches. So uh, one, of, one of the things that, um, if you've watched the DreamHack, uh, Teamer Adventures ended up winning the DreamHack event. And it did so because it's like so good against a lot of the field against like things like blue white um especially and um the way it kind of does that is it accrues a ton of card advantage through a card called lucky clover allowing you to use um your adventure creatures like you know casting one of the spells makes it cast multiple of the spells because lucky clover duplicates the the adventure spells and what ends up happening is like you get to these like really really long mid-range grind fests where it's just about card advantage and you know getting all these huge powerful effects uh, to go off multiple times. And uh, one of the things that I was just knowing, noticing when playing standard was just like, all the decks are doing this. The blue-white deck is trying to like recruit advantage with like Elspeth Conquers Death, Rebind Planeswalkers. The Planeswalkers rebind Elspeth Conquers Death. Elspeth Conquers Death, rebind the Planeswalkers and so on and so forth. Um, Teamer Clover trying to play a million adventure spells and get a bunch of ton of lands. The Bant, um, the Bant Ramp deck trying to get like a bunch of Nissas and a bunch of mana and cast Uro a bunch of times. They also do the Elspeth Conquers Death Loop. So I, I, I think that is the one thing I do expect is you expect to like the games to be about like these huge Haymaker spells and gaining a ton of card advantage and doing a bunch of crazy things. Um, but I think if we get too far to the one side, I think my my hot take for the weekend is that Mono Red might actually be good this weekend. Um, and that is because all of these like huge card advantage decks that are that are like you know really good against like the blue white decks might actually push the blue white out of out of uh standard for the weekend and if blue white's out of standard for the weekend i actually like where mono red's positioned um i don't think i'm bold enough to take like to to go on my hunch and play mono red uh, but i i so I'm, I'm probably gonna end up playing teamer clover um but I, I i wouldn't actually be surprised if a lot of people did well with mono red because of like things like Teamer Clover and uh, and like these other grindy like mid range decks pushing blue white out. You know, it's interesting that Teamer Clover, you know, really kind of just p- kind of popped up out of nowhere, in, in my opinion, from watching uh, Dreamhack and Dreamhack happens, and then Teamer Clover. Everyone, everyone, when you hear Teamer, you automatically think in standard, you think Teamer Reclamation, and while that deck was certainly present and and did decent for a lot of people. Uh, it was the usual blue-white, and then we saw mono-red, and all of a sudden it's like, Teamer, yeah, Adventures. What? And everyone kind of thought, well, wasn't that a deck from last standard, like pre-Theros? Uh, wasn't that the Adventure deck that everyone was playing? And all of a sudden it comes back out of nowhere. What was it about the Adventure deck? Was it specifically its blue-white matchup uh, that it, all of a sudden it's the it's the new hotness? Or does this thing have legs to really get up there into Tier 2, even Tier 1? Um, I, I mean, like, I think right now I would consider it Tier 1. Um but I, I, the the big thing about it is is so when you look at uh, when you look at formats, you have to look at what people are playing for the like the the big removal, right? So like 
one of the big the biggest removal spells and one of the most powerful cards in the format is Elspeth Conqueror's Death. I referenced it a bunch in my, when I was talking about what the best decks or what the people were doing. Elspeth Conqueror's Death can only get rid of a three drop or higher. So um, one of the things that Teamer Clover does is it gets a lot of its card advantage from a two uh, two casting cost permanent, which Elspeth Conqueror's Death can't actually interact with. So it's trying to uh, get under something like Elspeth Conqueror's Death. Elspeth Conqueror's Death on something like a Lovestruck Beast or one of your creatures doesn't really matter because you've gotten so much card advantage off of these creatures already um, through like the Clover or through things like Edgewall Innkeeper. Edgewall Innkeeper being another card that dodges Elspeth Conqueror's Death. Um, so like, I think in order for something like Clover to be beaten this weekend, you're going to have to look at things that actually attack the Clover and the Edgewell Innkeeper. So like something that attacks the smaller converted mana costs. Um, so you might be like looking at cards like Stomp to kill Edgewell Innkeeper, and then maybe even something as simple as like Distant Chant uh, to be able to beat the, the Clover decks. I know that um, there's a Bant deck out there that is currently playing main deck Knight of Autumns. Um, that might be like a good answer to the Teamer Clover. Also like the Jun decks play main deck Thrashing Brontodons, which also might be an, another good answer to Teamer Clover. Um, but I, th I, I think if people are going to try to attack the Clover deck, it's going to be switching what the removal spells or like the, the answer spells are in the format because Elspeth Conqueror's Death just like doesn't do anything to the Clover deck. And that's why it's so good right now. So many people are leaning so hard on the Elspeth Conqueror's Death. Be gentle with me. Does my baby Esper have any chance and some legs in a, in a team or adventure world? Uh, not without a huge change in the way that you attack them. You have to be able to kill their clovers, otherwise they'll beat you in a long game. Um, so you just like probably have to load up on things like Heliod's Intervention and stuff like that, and even then you might still be a dog. Hmm. Well, in that case, then I'm just not going to play this Mythic Point Challenge uh, this weekend. Um, Do I have to have Shieldbreaker back in my Mono Red deck? Um, I've been told that the that Mono Red's matchup against Teamer Clover is good. But the one way they can beat you is like, you know, play the Clover and then untap and stomp, right? Um, so if you really wanted to shore up that matchup, yeah. And then also it like incidentally is like fine against like things like Jund food or like, you know, Mardu sacrifice if someone plays it. Kellen, what's your thoughts on the uh, Mythic Point Challenge on some of the decks that, you know, Sean was talking about? Is there anything that's hanging out there that, uh, you know, you think could do well this weekend? Or is there a deck that... Uh, is currently right up there in the top of the meta that you think is probably not so situated for what uh, people are probably going to play. Well, it's funny because I had a list of decks like Tier Adventure and Jeskai Fires uh, potentially are kind of the winners out of the weekend um, for an event apparently that we're also not going to mention because it's in our next segment. But um, we uh, those were the decks that kind of rose to the top. And then Blue White... Um, kind of got stomped by a lot of different things. And then Mono Red, I guess maybe it wasn't super popular at the event we're not talking about. Um, but also... We, we can we can completely talk about the event. No, we're not talking about it. Okay, fine. I had it down as kind of a loser for the Mythic Point Challenge, but now Eric's talked me back into it, so that's exciting. I would much rather play Mono Red than playing Team Adventure. I, I've played the majority of my afternoon today playing Arena, and I'm currently in the negative it like advantage I, I fell down the ladder not up the ladder so negative advantage <laughs> just like that was a weird way to phrase listen it. i got up at 5 30 this morning okay it's been a long day i'm looking forward to caroline's new ebook on competitive magic playing falling down the ladder yeah i'll be great at that <laughs> um so i'm not really sure i'm kind of all over the place i guess i want to give jessica fires a try before i settle on something um, unfortunately, I am not great at like jumping into a deck and adjusting and like playing it the next day or the morning of or whatever. So I will be spending most of the week trying to figure out one deck and then practice that a bunch. Nice. Mr. Toolshed, obviously you and I are uh, not participating in this event by choice. Uh, I mean, we could have, you know, I know I could have <laughs> just gotten Mythic. Good. Like that, you know, I think my highest is maybe plat four. Eh, it doesn't matter. Uh, if when you see how the kind of thoughts that our two uh, compadres here in the podcast are thinking of, you know, if you're compadres. going into a, compadres, if you were going into uh, an event like this, where it's really just about getting to 10 wins, do you do you feel that there is a specific deck out there that 
would do best? Or uh, to counteract that, do you think that there's a deck out there that's capable of high rolling those 10 wins instead of just being like a consistent good deck? Okay, so the real answer is if I wanted to play a deck and try to get 10 wins, I would probably just play the Teamer Adventure deck. Um, I think the deck's really powerful. A Hawk was saying it's really good against Elspeth Conqueror's death. So I'm interested in that. But um, for the life of me, I can't win with anything except blue-white, so... I'd probably just end up playing blue white anyway, but um, if I was a, if I had the bandwidth and the foresight to play this tournament this weekend, I would be playing Team or Clover. Hopefully, um, I think that's probably just the best deck. You know, is there anything out there? And this is a question for anybody: is there is there a deck out there that could surprise us like we saw with Team or Adventures? Uh, at DreamHack. Is there a deck out there that we know exists that is out there, but maybe we haven't seen the right build of it or the sideboard hasn't been really fleshed out properly? Is there something uh, outside of the beaten path that we think could show up and maybe get, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten wins here? Uh, I've seen some people working on Soltai Ramp. Um, the people that are working on it are, like, very, very good. Uh, so, like, one of them is, like, Andrea Mangucci. Um, the deck looks like it has some legs. Um and it does have answers to things like the Clover deck. Um, the mono red matchup isn't the greatest thing in the world, um, but it, it like it, it it's passable. Um, so I, I think it has the tools to beat these decks, and uh, I, I could see it doing uh, fairly well as basically just like the white that you get from Bant Ramp is um, your Teferi, your um, your Shatter the Sky, and your Elspeth Conqueror's Death. Where and Night of Autumn as well, where when you switch to black, you get discard uh, through like Thought Erasure, um, and then you also get like Casualties of War, and like Casualties of War can actually do something to attack. Like you can use the discard to attack the the Clovers out of Teamer Clover, and then you can also use the the Shatter uh, mode from Casualties of War to like take out the the Clover as well. So it's like actually has decent answers to Clover as well as just like also being disruptive. And then if you can get like you know these huge hydroid crises against the against something like clover, it, it is a very big thing there. Um, the question is is like now that you think that the clover matchup is good, how are your other matchups? How are how is your blue white matchup with the Sultai ramp deck? How is your mono red matchup, which I already said is kind of a little bit shaky? Um, you know, so like, but if if it does prove that it can it can hang with the red deck and it can hang with blue white, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that deck like actually did pretty well. You've piqued my interest. I, I, I am down to uh, try out something like Sultai Ramp because I, I've enjoyed the Ramp deck so far, but you you throw in some, uh, you throw, you know, instead of the blue-green, you, you toss a little bit of black color in there, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be a happy person. So I'm going to be looking forward to, looking to see if that deck makes a little bit of noise during this Mythic Point Challenge weekend. I know that uh, there's been some challenges that have happened in other places around Magic the Gathering, and that, of course, was this past weekend, both at DreamHack Anaheim, and, of course, we also had uh, an SCG event, uh, which I believe was uh, Pioneer. And uh, it's it was very interesting, and this is where all this Teamer Adventures stuff came from. And so uh, between the Teamer Adventures showing up at DreamHack and between all the stuff that happened at SCG, uh, I want to shift over to the pioneer focus side of things. And Mr. Toolshed, I kind of want to start with you. Give us the rundown of how SCG went, both just for you, but also um, what you kind of noticed about the event itself. Sure. So for me, uh, the Open did not go very well. I played Demir Inverter. Um, I felt really, I felt actually really prepared for the tournament. I probably played between 30 and 40 matches with the deck before going to the event. Our teammate Ben and I were probably two cards off of each other in the main deck. Um, so um, we felt pretty confident in our lists. Um, unfortunately, whether it was playing poorly or, you know, not drawing well or whatever, you know, like magic happens sometimes too. I end up with a 3-3 record. I think Inverter was a really good choice this weekend. There were a lot of people not playing Inverter. In those six rounds, I played Inverter one time. I won the mirror. And then uh, Ben, who was also playing Inverter, ended up playing the Mirror. What did we decide? It was a total of three times in 18 rounds. Is that what it was? Between Yeah, between the three people that top aided. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he ended up playing only Inverter, only two or three, playing against Inverter two or three times. So there was not a lot of Demir Inverter, it seemed like, but there was just a lot of everything, whether it was Lotus Breach, Mono White, Spirits, Inverter whatever there was a lot of everything which is actually really cool 
I think for an event, but I mean, Inverter did end up being, I, I want to say there's 28 copies of Inverter on day two. Pretty sure it was the most represented deck. Well, I know, I know it was the most represented deck. I can't remember exactly how many copies are on day two. It was mid to high 20s and then uh, for percentage wise, and then next was Soltai that was like mid to low 20s percentage right. wise. So looking at, at that Demir deck and how you played it, um, is this a situation where, was it the deck's fault? Was it your fault? Was it both? Uh, what was your opinion on on the deck that you played? And you know, uh, like I always like to ask, you know, if you'd gone back and played again, would you have played a different deck and why? Um, so it's hard for me to really. I was talking to my friends about this that I was traveling with. It's like I can't really be mad at myself for playing what I think is the best deck, right? Like, I mean, I did the footwork, like I put in the work, I put myself in the best position at deck registration in playing the best deck. Um, I don't really think it was me like having a badly built deck or anything like that. It's just I wasn't as familiar with the deck as I like to be. With all my tournaments in the past that I played, I'm always playing some version of a control deck. So I didn't have as much experience as normal with the deck. But I think that overall it was it was still a good deck choice and I would probably run it back with the same experience like with the experiences I have now. You know, just playing the best deck is always a good option. How important is that? And and Caroline, I want to ask you this question because you're just thinking about decks that you want to play this weekend. Um, what's more important, playing the most powerful deck or playing the deck you are most comfortable with? It's really like a tough question because I think that there's not an answer on either side. Like if you take exactly Ben and and Sean, um, like Ben went into the tournament playing the best deck and he did really well in the tournament. He came second. And then Sean went into the tournament playing the best deck and learned the next day. I don't know if I'm spoiling it, but learned the next day that... <laughs> Um, you know, playing the deck that he is more comfortable with, aka Blue White, worked out a lot better for him. So it's not it's not really like a you must always play the best deck or you must always play the deck that you like. It really is a balance between how like what the level of tournament is and what your practice level is with either deck. Um, so for example, and Eric, I I really think that this is important here. Uh, Eric went to Phoenix and had the same, we had the same arguments. I'm always having these arguments with people where he wanted to get the best deck. So he got Inverter together. Uh, is Inverter, right, Eric? Uh, yeah. And uh, after the first day of, of PTQs, the last chance qualifiers, Eric was a grumpy and he's like, this deck sucks. I can't win with it. It's stupid. And before the tournament, I had said, like, hey, have you checked out the Mono White Heliod deck? You, you love Mono White. Like, this might be up your alley. Um, and so he actually went on Friday. I, like, walked around with him as he went and, and assembled the Mono White deck. And I'm over here, like, smug as can be. Like, I'm so great. I told Eric the White deck is, is what he should play. And then he also did badly with the Mono White deck. But the reason I bring that as an example is Eric didn't really play the the Pioneer Mono White deck going into this tournament. He just knew in theory that it had white cards and he likes I, that. I did play it a bunch. Not a bunch, though. I played about 40, 40 or 50 matches with it on Magic Online. Really? You hadn't, you hadn't yeah. even, you said you hadn't even played it. No, I had played it. I played it online. I, I couldn't win with it. Oh. Yeah, we, That's talked why I missed you. we had talked about this exact deck on the couple episodes ago. <laughs> I thought you had just like yeah. done a league or something and you're like, oh, okay, it's bad. No, I didn't know I you played actually played I played it in like, uh, for like, in one of the weeks where I actually ended up putting it down, I was 0-18 at one point with the deck. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that still works in my favor because th then it's clearly like even, it might not actually be a mono-white deck. Like, that deck just worked out to just be something different just because it was white cards. So yeah. it didn't work in like the strategy that you were used to. Whereas with Sean, like, it does work. Like, the blue-white deck, you know, isn't great for everyone else in Pioneer, but it works for it works for him, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's something to be said where you can always go back to a deck that you just that you just know. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, it's just not situated properly, or maybe the deck is just, in general, weak, uh, you know. But we know that Conan Hawk, at the end of the day, if you hand Conan Hawk a mono-white deck, he's going to know how to roll with that mono-white deck. And so, Sean... You, uh, you know, you, you come with Inverter, you participate in that event, you go three and three, it doesn't work out that well. So, did, you know, how did you shift and just did you go back to your comfort zone? What happened after that? Yeah, so after being not like upset about my performance on Saturday, because again, like I, 
chose the best deck. So I couldn't really be mad at myself. Like normally in the past, like I would go into Saturday, like I'm going to play blue white knowing it's bad. And then I lose. And then it's like, okay, well I deserve that. Right. I didn't, I didn't put myself in the best position. I actually put myself in the best position possible. Um, so Saturday night, we're like out to dinner and my friend's like, you know, Sean, like you didn't really have a lot of fun playing inverter. Cause I really didn't. It's not the type of magic I played. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like, do what I love to do, and that's just like casting expensive spells that I shouldn't be casting in this format, and um, I put this deck together. The tech was, uh, the one thing that carried me through the weekend was getting into the Trials, which we're actually seeing a lot more of right now. The white deck has it, Spirits is playing it. Uh, I played it in my blue-white deck. Getting into the Trials is just a very good card, so that actually carried me through the weekend, or through Sunday. But I just enjoyed my Sunday tournament so much more playing blue-white. I feel more confident. My matchups feel a lot easier. I know exactly how I'm going to sideboard. You know, I know how aggressive I need to be or how passive I need to be. So just, like, playing inverter, I didn't have a lot of good time. I didn't have a, I didn't have a good time. I was second-guessing myself. I was using, like, you know, a sideboard guy that I wasn't totally confident in. But then blue white, it was just like night and day. I loved the deck. I every card in my deck I knew I wanted. I knew how to sideboard, and I just had a much better time on Sunday playing blue white, even though it wasn't the best deck. So that's one thing that like overall I'm more happy with my performance on Sunday just because I actually had a good time playing Magic. Because at the end of the day, like I still want to have fun playing the game. Yeah, it's fun to win, but like <laughs> it's also fun to play blue white control to me. I know it's not for everyone. It's definitely not for everyone. But to me, playing blue-white is basically the most amount of fun I can have in a day. Karnak, do you find that Sean's experience uh, is is an important one, that comfort level with a deck, knowledge of a deck, just the, the style in which you play Magic um, is just as or equally or, or just at the very least partly important to how you're going to perform in a tournament? Or is it simply um, find the best deck, learn the best deck, play the best deck? What What do you think, especially for... Uh, tournaments like this, what's your what's your approach to something like that? I, I think it's... I, I don't think there's a uh, an answer, unfortunately, for ev- any, everyone, I, sh- I should say. So I think for a long time, I was a person that I needed to enjoy the deck that I was playing um, because I would, I would, like, find myself kind of checking out when I, when I didn't... Um, when I didn't enjoy a deck, um, I would have a hard time, you know, just, like getting myself pumped up for, for a match. Um, and at, at the, like, so at that point in my magic plane, it was very important for me to play a deck that I found interesting and I found fun. Um, as my goals have changed and I want to, I want to win more. I want to qualify for the, the, you know, uh, players tour. I want to, you know, do well in these mythic point challenges and mythic invitationals and stuff like that. It's more about what I think gives me the best chance to win. And I have to put my, um, my wants aside. So, for instance, like right now, I think um, my favorite deck in standard is the mono red, uh, like Seth Manfield style Ember Cleave style deck. And while that deck might is not good until the blue white decks go away, and maybe that happens this weekend, um, I I don't think I can just like gamble my mythic point challenge on that. And so I'm gonna play a deck that I'm I'm not as uh, excited about and not as, and like not gonna have as much fun. Uh, playing and uh, probably going to play like the Clover deck, which I I particularly don't enjoy. But um, I I do like because my goal is to hopefully get as many wins as possible. I'm going to play that deck, and uh, I'm going to learn it, and I'm going to you know, and then I'll just move on to the next tournament. Caroline, it's almost as if the philosophy of how to do well in a tournament is as complex as the game of Magic itself. Nah, you just have to. You just have to buy my book. I'll tell you all my secrets. <laughs> Climbing down the ladder. Oh, wait. <laughs> Shoot. That might be the wrong way to go. I'm just going to go with listen to Caroline because, like, it's been going pretty well for the people of this podcast and Team Sorgoy that have listened to Caroline. So That's I'm true. just going to go with that strategy from now on. Caroline I- will tell me to play Soul Sisters and, like, I'll show up with Soul Sisters if that's what she says. You know what? This is huge. That this, I think it all comes down to this. It, it, Caroline... What should everyone play this weekend? Uh, I'm going to play Mono Red. It's going to be great. Great. Everyone play Mono Red. And then I, I'll play I, Jeskai Fires because everyone's playing Mono Red. Oh. <laughs> I did ask uh, Huey Jensen on his stream 
how he chooses decks. And like, like I basically said, like, if you don't find a deck that you're like particularly excited about in a format, how do you choose a deck? And he said, he said, I never choose a deck off of uh, what I'm excited about or my play preferences or what I enjoy. Uh, unless two decks are very similar in power level, and then I choose the one that I like more. You should do uh, my professional theory of how to choose the right deck if you're not certain what you want to do. Write uh, a bunch of different color combinations of magic on different post-it notes, and then write other random words that you think are associated with magic cards on other post-it notes. Put them on a wall, get some darts, close your eyes, and throw. And once you do that, you're going to find amazing deck choices for your weekend. That was how Watson Brasky. did the ban list for a while, I'm pretty sure. I I just want to say Brasky, like, how did you <laughs> Oh I was gonna say Brasky, how'd you end up on mono white Niv Mizzet? Hey, let me tell you what. Uh it did fantastic because no matter what darts I threw at the wall, I just put chromatic lantern and everything. So it was fine. Like I it's ultimate color fixing. Everything was great. Nice. Um, yeah, I just think that I recommend um there are definitely days where you're supposed to be like Sean and you bring the inverter deck and you have the sideboard guide and uh, you know, you're Eric, you're playing your teamer reclamation or your teamer, geez, your teamer adventure deck. But there are days where it's, you know, the classic, the Sunday and you're just like, I just want to play spells that I like. I just want to cast my Jace, and make my opponents cry. I don't know why I just feel compelled to make my land drops and say, say, go. For, for making hours. my opponents cry is the goal of the day <laughs> um, and, and it unfortunately is such a cop out answer but it's going to be up to you to figure out when when that works and when it doesn't work um, you know it. I believe it was Eric like when he was playing the qualifier for the MIQ or MI that he qualified for he actually said like F it I'm playing Jund Food and he like it wasn't even doing well, what, right, Eric? Didn't it have like a really bad like lead up to your your prep? Uh, well, so the the reason I actually cho- ended up choosing Jun Food was I didn't think it was positioned well in the format as as it was. I was like, I don't, I'm not sure it's the best deck. I thought Just Sky Fires was the best deck, but it had the highest win percentage on on my personal Untapped GG stats. So then, like, I, that's the reason I went back to it. I was like, I th- like everybody's telling me that Just Sky Fires is the best deck. But my Just Guy Fires win rate was like 60-ish percent, and my Jun Food win rate was like something absurd, like 78%. And I was like, I can't not play the 78% deck, right? Like, that's that seems crazy. And this is my internal monologue. Every time I go to a Magic tournament, I'm like, okay, I can play the best deck, or I can play blue-white. And just like, and make I my opponents feel, cry. Yeah, I feel unbeatable when I play blue-white, and then I'm just, I feel so confident when I play blue-white. Everything else I'm just so unsure of. And it's just like, that's a, the exact sentiment that I have every time. It's like, why would I pass up the 78% win rate? Like, that's just so hard. Yeah, how'd, but, you, how'd your weekend go? Well, I went 1-3, but that one, still weeping to this day. Then so I feel like I had a good I, weekend. I called them, checked in. They're still crying. I called and checked <laughs> on them. <laughs> just gave them another jab, like, and I cast Commit Memory in your upkeep. I still had all these. <laughs> <laughs> they cried like a small child falling into a creek. That's what that was. Hey, that child didn't fall in. I saved their life. So I wait. I, I have a response. Know what, that was. what is that? Oh no! I just wanted to say I had a response. <laughs> That's just what Sean says all the time. No, Sean puts his finger up and says, "Hold on, it resolves." <laughs> like the TikTok. <laughs> I allow this to happen. Yeah. <laughs> the sign of a true blue white player. We spend so much time talking to talking about Sean. And his ego, I mean, and his uh, weekend, but we didn't really talk about DreamHack, which was the tournament I was talking about this whole time, <laughs> and then I wasn't allowed to name it. But I wanted to just give a shout out to second place uh, DreamHack participant Mani Davuti. He is a local Vancouver friend, uh, actually a super uh, great friend that uh, really helped me kind of learn in lean into competitive magic and. Uh, there was a point where I was just getting into going to Grand Prix and I, you know, Monty would be there and I'd hang out with him and Monty just, just knew everybody, just knew absolutely every single person at the Grand Prix. And I was like in awe of this. I was like, this is so cool. Like, I love this superpower that you have, Monty. And he's like, oh, I just, you know, I like to travel a lot. I, you know, connect with friends. That's, that's that. And then he actually quit magic a couple of years ago. 
Um, and I didn't, I kept playing. And then he returned to GB Vegas in I think 2017 or maybe 2018, uh, no 2017. And he actually won GB Vegas when I was there. And it was kind of his triumphant return back to magic temporarily. He actually mostly doesn't play anymore. Um, and when, when we were at that tournament, he noticed that suddenly we're walking around the venue and people are stopping to talk to me and not to talk to Monty. And he was like, he actually, he actually like kind of observed. He's like, wow, like you've taken on my reign of like mayor of magic town, <laughs> Caroline, like you've, you've taken on my role. So um, shout out to, to good old Monty. He's pretty great. Even though they called him Manny all weekend. His name's Monty. <laughs> And it's also pretty cool just to see watching DreamHack Anaheim and watch uh, all, some of our teammates on Swagoy competing in there as well. Of course, the captain of the Magic team, Tom Locke, he had a great day one, not so good of day two, but he felt like he had a, a pretty solid showing on their mind. I think uh, Firemind was in there as well competing. And then uh, a few other teammates uh, competing on the Hearthstone have... side of things, getting top eights oh. over there as well. We, I guess they're not on the Swagoy team, but there was someone co- that's related to Aspirant. Uh, that did really well. Tyrant, I think their name is. He like was he made top eight, top sixteen, top twelve. Honestly, I couldn't tell you that tournament was so confusing. Top sixteen, he made top sixteen, um, and, and had a good weekend. Did, did you guys? Did anyone watch the coverage from that event? I was in and out because I was playing, but yeah. it was pretty all over the place. It was. <laughs> I definitely remember like. You had posted something like, "Aren't they like playing like tomorrow or something like that?" And they're like, "They're like, here's the top eight or like players still alive for top eight." And they had like four rounds left or something like that. Yeah, the actual coverage team that ran the coverage like uh, was basically like the same as an MC. It was like Maria and um, Riley and Martin uh, and just some like you know really cool people. They also added that's admirable or that's admirable, not definitely ad. Uh, I was saying it wrong all weekend. Nathan Zamora. We'll just go with that. Sure. (laughs) Nathan. Uh, So that was cool. Um, And the actual coverage play-by-play, the visual displays were were pretty good. I would say visually it didn't address what round it was, which is one of my confusing comments, and it didn't really address the records of the players. So you really had to be invested and know, like, oh, like, Alan hasn't lost today yet. Like, this is an exciting match, uh, as opposed to just uh, randomly guessing if someone was, was doing well. Um, that being said, there were some very like confusing sides coming from the Twitter aspect. I felt maybe whoever was running their social media, <laughs> whoever was running their social media, maybe uh, could have re- reined in a little bit. Um, some of their comments, there was some uh, there were some jokes made at players' expense about um, not understanding Narset's ability to stop you from drawing cards. Um, which was a little unfortunate. And then there was also some confusion, which is what Sean was saying. There was a tweet at the beginning of round seven that said going into our last round before we cut to top 16, but the tournament was 10 rounds long. So there's actually four rounds or seven, eight, nine, ten, eight, four rounds remaining. Um, and it was very confusing because they posted a picture of like everyone that was six and oh or, or worse. And so it's like there was just a really big disconnect, at least specifically in their social media campaigns. I believe the actual coverage team, um, and it sounded like from some of the tweets that we read, that some of the the staff on site was really cool. Um, there were some disappointing things, like the numbers. There was only ninety six registered players or something, or ninety six players that played. There was one hundred and thirty registered players, um, and you know, there's a lot of money on the line. So it is something to think about in the future. If you think arena and dream hack is for you, then you should probably go. Uh, you should also do research and you buy the right pass. Um, we had Tom Locke. Tom Locke's actually attended a ton of dream hacks in the past and was super excited about this. So he actually told our team what ticket to buy when it goes on sale, how much it should be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but without a Tom Locke in your life, you may be in a spot. I think I saw, I want to say, I don't want to guess because I can't remember who it was, but I saw someone on Twitter say they bought the wrong pass. They bought the full DreamHack experience instead of the like $90 pass. Um, So yeah, I would recommend that you do a little research or you reach out to us. You can tweet at Sagoy at At Gaming. 
at twitter.com just tweet at twitter.com to be like 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 an operator hey at at Um, twitter can you please connect me to swagoy gaming please thank you uh yeah we'd be uh very willing to help you out i've already seen messages from tom Locke about uh dallas and the passes being on sale and etc etc so uh definitely recommend it and hopefully uh that you know these improvements make their way to dreamhack i might Ask Brandon if that's going to happen. Perhaps. And then that way Dallas will be also great. Perhaps that might be a, a topic for a podcast episode before the next DreamHack. We'll bring on Tom Locke and talk about, hey, if are you attending a DreamHack and going to play Digital Magic? Here's some things to know. We can kind of chat about what you need to get ready to go to a DreamHack. Like we could we could tell you if your laptop doesn't have an Ethernet cable, you should probably go and return it before this podcast podcast starts and buy a new laptop within an hour perhaps oh, no, wait, that's yeah there. that's what i did who buys a laptop without an ethernet cable i didn't think it i didn't think about it it was like it has internet so what does it matter it's 2020 why doesn't all that why don't all laptops have well, he bought, port? He bought a, surface it was a two-in-one it was a yeah, it was a microsoft surface does it, it have, was a surface bro does it have a cd drive those you need those things yeah, uh, I think it had a floppy disk uh, drive. Perfect. It was really neat. Done. I wanted to make sure that done. I could download, a, you know, Oregon Trail. Mini mini disc player. Lemmings. I pictured you as a Lemmings guy. Oh, jeez. I was just going to go with Oregon Trail, but Lemmings is a lot funnier. Lemmings yeah. is really good. I used to go to my neighbor's house specifically to play that game. Count me in for number munchers. That was always my go-to. No one will know this game, but I really like there's a game called Inga Marskeen Game. And basically, you just use the mouse to like control your little skier, and you can see me doing this on the podcast. Wait, obviously, is this the one where you get eaten by a Yeti podcast. if you go too far? Yeah, yeah. If you yeah. go too far, you get eaten by the Yeti. Yeah, I it was really good. Before. I play this. Or no, that one was ski something else. The other one is different. We just like oh. you try to go, and then and like if you go to the other thing, like all I remember about it was like if you if you went the wrong way, it would go wrong side. <laughs> but yeah, this this podcast has taken a turn to the wrong side because now we're discussing old school computer games and that's with, for our new podcast yes <laughs> stay tuned for our new podcast called wrong side where we talk about vintage computer games that no one really played but we enjoyed i know what i'm gonna enjoy and that's gonna be watching folks at the mythic point challenge seeing how everyone's gonna be doing seeing who's gonna put together great decks i know that i'm also gonna be trying to keep an eye out for other types of events that are going on in the world of Magic the Gathering, and we will find out about those right now as we learn where in the world is Caroline Cavanaugh and where she is going to be and what other events are coming up in the Magic world. I assume you're just playing my cool music over this part, so... Well, that is your cool music. You're yeah, doing but you're your adding, cool like, beats and, like... I don't know, drums. Oh, now I got to add sick beats to that. Do, 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 do. Okay. It's like a newsflash. Do, 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 do. Anyway, what is coming up? February 29th is the Mythic Point Challenge. What a surprise. We have not told you about it up until this exact moment. Just kidding. Um, that is an event that if you made top 1200 in probably any month in the last 2019 honestly i couldn't tell you i think it's like october november and december um and then also january uh qualifies you for this event uh there will be a um there will be a check-in period i want to tell you that it's somewhere between like 6 a.m and 8 a.m pacific but i actually can't remember i didn't read my email very well um but it is very early in the morning on a Saturday and it's the check-in time where you have to go and say like, I'm definitely going to play my games arena. And then you can play them at any point up until somewhere around four o'clock Pacific, I assume of some point. Um, it is something that Eric actually has already mentioned. Standard in general right now is quite drawn out uh, and playing 10 rounds. And you actually get three losses in the mythic point challenge, not two. Um, or sorry, you lose at three losses, unlike in the uh, MIQs, you lost at two losses. So there's, you'll, in theory, be playing a little extra. Uh, and therefore, you should really plan to play some long days. So keep that in mind. Uh, February, also happening this weekend, sorry, February 28th to March 1st, is Magic Fest Reno. Uh, it's happening in <laughs> Reno, Nevada, which is why it's called that. Um, that being said, I've brought this up in the past and, you know, if you still have time, because this podcast will come out Friday, probably, uh, 
and you are near the Reno area, I recommend going. It is both a limited Grand Prix, uh, so it's easier to acquire, kind of be set up to go in terms of you don't have to have cards and stuff. But also, I believe it is going to be a small Grand Prix. From a lot of people that I spoke to, Reno was very hard to travel to. Um, and it's just not really near any major cities. Uh, so that could be a factor in whether or not people will attend. So I recommend, if you can, go check out that cool Grand Prix. Uh, then we skip a weekend. I didn't really have anything super notable. Um, but March 14th is MI number two. So Mythic Qualifier. Mythic Invitational Qualifier number two for Ikoria. So from March 13th to March 15th uh, will be Magic Fest Detroit. It will be standard. Um, it will be great. I will probably be there. I was looking at flights during this pod. I mean, not during this podcast. Um, so I will probably go there. Um, and it, it's, it's actually interesting because I am allowed back at CFP events because I definitely did not do anything bad at a CFP event recently. Um, but when I was in Phoenix, I don't think I've told a story on the podcast. I hope I haven't. Um, I <laughs> was grabbing my promo from the CFP booth and or like the, I don't know, organization people. And when I was grabbing it, I asked, oh, hey, can I also grab my a promo for Sam Pardee? Um, and the person who was handing out promos was actually like, oh, no, you you can't grab a promo for someone else and I was like oh that's okay he's actually on a flight home already so I just you know I wanted to try and they're like oh sorry and then this person behind them was like oh actually it's totally fine just give her both promos and I was like sweet and so I got both promos I ended up selling them to a vendor and I was all excited about like you know the improvement of my day because I did bad at the Grand Prix and I texted Sam to tell him like this cool thing like hi I sold your promo I'm up some money and uh, he texts me back and goes, Caroline, I didn't play in a Grand Prix this weekend because this was at the Players Tour slash Grand Prix. And so he didn't get a Grand Prix promo. He didn't play in a, he like went 10 and five or 11 and whatever at the Players Tour, he just didn't play. And so now I'm like freaking out because I've just robbed a promo from CFP. And so I end up, I'm in the middle of a tournament too. So I'm trying to like play my round and, and fix this this huge problem. I was so scared that I was gonna get in trouble. So I ended up like getting the vendor to sell it back to me, ran to the seat, the booth and was like, hey, you gave me a promo like 10 minutes ago. I'm really sorry. He just didn't even play in this Grand Prix. He shouldn't have a promo. And they're like laughing about it and they take the card back. And yes, all is well. I'm not banned from CFP events. So I that's good. I love that you made amends. This is like the telltale magic card. Like you're sitting there playing your event, just going, I need to get that card back. I, I was so nervous. My opponent actually in the next round of the tournament had to go. They were going on a hike and they didn't want to play anymore. And I was so relieved because I, I could solve the problem right away. I'm not sure I could have played my match of magic knowing that I was like close to getting canceled on the Twitter. I don't think I could do it. I actually ran into, uh, I hung out that evening with Mashi, who's kind of high up in CFB. And I actually told Mashi the story just because I wanted to like come clean about all the things that I did and all the terrible things. But it was great. You need to absolve your conscience of all the wrongdoing that you've done. Yeah. Because we do uh, a lot of wrongdoing, usually just in how we play the game, because we sometimes punt the game away. And uh, I know it's been a while, but we can always talk about the great punts of the of the week that we've had, and even of the past week, two weeks. It's we're, we have no shortage of times that we've screwed up playing Magic, and so I know this week we're going to shift over to Mister Toolshed Sean Gallagher. What what was your big punt that you had this past week? <laughs> yeah, so it's I think it's round three of the grand of the SCG, and I'm playing against Saltide Delirium. It's like game one, and it's like been kind of grindy. And I've, like, cast Dig Through Time a couple times, so my graveyard's, like, fairly small at this point. And I have a turn where I have Ethos's Oracle, and I've resolved... Um, like I have, I've resolved my Thassa's Oracle. And I have an Inverter in my hand, and I'm like, okay, here's the game plan. I'm gonna end step, Fatal Push my Thassa's Oracle to put it into my graveyard, and then I'll invert, and then I'll have, like, four cards in my library at that point. So I'm like, okay, that's the plan. So I like my opponent passes the turn, and then on my main phase, I'm just like, okay, cast inverter. 
And I like look down at my graveyard and it's just like two thought seizes. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't kill my Thoth's Oracle. <laughs> so I just have literally no way to actually mail my opponent out or to like thought like trigger my Thoth's Oracle. And it's like, I don't have an inverter, so I have like nothing, like I can't figure out a way to like invert again with like the Thoth's Oracle or something. I couldn't figure out a way to do it. And I'm like, okay. I have four cards in my library. What's my opponent's life total? Maybe I just like attack him for like six, a couple of turns and I kill him that way. And like, I just pretend like that was the master plan. Uh, my opponent was at like 35. <laughs> so there's no combination of attacks that kills them in that amount of time either. So I just like invert and I just had literally no way to win the game. And I just like did it. And then I drew my card. I played one turn and I like drew a thought season. I just like, Shane conceded real quick. It was really bad. That, that's like a wily e. Coyote magic story. It's that you're sitting there. It's like, ha, ah, I have all my plans set in place. I have my Acme magic deck that it's going to be amazing. Ready? And ha ha. And then you look down and you're about to fall off a cliff. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't even, t I was just so embarrassed. I like quickly picked up my cards and my opponent's like, oh, I'm not dead. I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess not. And then I just like started shuffling up for game two. I just like didn't want to like confront confront myself about it. It was just really annoying. It was like it wasn't annoying. It was just like really embarrassing that I just like actually just couldn't win the game at that point. It was funny. Just trying to talk under your breath. Just be like, yeah, no, you must have won. That's weird. I don't wonder what happened. Hey, game two. Hey, all right, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You didn't do anything, and I just lost the game. It was very strange. <laughs> well, we're about to lose our minds because we have uh, we have covered so much uh in this little hour or so that we've put together in this podcast and there's gonna be plenty more to cover next week when we have more topics to discuss and more awesome things we'll probably recap the mythic point challenge we'll talk a little bit i think about magic fest reno the wonderful limited experience that goes along with it and anything else that goes along with it as well and if you have an idea of something that we should talk about on this podcast then let us know tweet at us at swigoy gaming or if you uh, listen to us on any of the ways that you listen to this podcast be that itunes anchor or any other way like spotify make sure to uh, leave us a review Give us uh, any number of stars you, you feel like giving us and write some words to let us know how we're doing and what else we can do and how we can be better because we always appreciate that. And you can find all these wonderful people that are on this podcast in different corners of the internet. So Conan Hawk, I want to start with you. Where can people find you and the content you create? Uh, they can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Conan Hawk. Uh, you can also find me on most Monday through Fridays on twitch.tv slash Conanhawk. Uh, but if you do follow me on Twitter, I will always give updates if I'm going to be missing a day. Uh, for instance, I missed today and I'll be missing this Friday uh, for travel uh, arrangements. And then also uh, we talked about Magic Fest Detroit. So I'll be missing um, a day for that as well. Maybe two. I might be traveling on that Thursday, but we'll we'll see. But uh, if you do follow me at Conanhawk on Twitter, uh, you'll get all these updates. And how about the Muddy Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh? Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, which I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, that it, it is at Mighty Linguini, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. You can find me at inst on Instagram at the Mighty Linguini, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays. Um, I always have a magic guest, but we don't always play magic. Um, of course, I will advertise for a stream that will already happen when you hear it, but we are streaming tomorrow with a friend. That being said, next week, I will be streaming at least once or twice next week magic. Uh, and I'll figure out later if I can say why, but it'll be fun and you'll see why next week, but it'll be great. Fantastic. Mr. Toolshed, Sean Gallagher, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Toolshed, twitch.tv slash Mr. Toolshed. Um, this Sunday, I'll be playing a PTQ, playing Blue Eye Control, and then I want to say the three magic players on the uh, three players, three magic players on this podcast were going to be in Detroit. So come say hi. And then a large majority of our Swagoy team Wait. are going to be in Detroit. Wait a minute. What? Which one of us is not a magic player? Okay, okay, fair. You got me there. <laughs> the non-Brasky members of this podcast That's are going to be Detroit. Category. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, are going to be in Detroit. And I want to say uh, probably at least eight of us are going to be in Detroit as well. So come say hi. Come hang out. I love to talk. Love meeting new people. Um, yeah, come hang out. It'll be a blast. Yeah, don't mind me. I'm just going to sit underneath all this shade that's being thrown on top of me. It's going to be fine. Hey, you're sitting, you're sitting you in can, the dark anyway. So. Yeah, you can come to Detroit, Brasky. We'll have a blast. We'll do like our podcast on site. It'll be dope. Oh, man. If we ever had the opportunity to do that, I will jump on it in a heartbeat. I unfortunately will not be able to attend uh, Magic Fest Detroit, but I am looking forward to the day that I can find a location I can travel to with the time in which to do it so that we can record podcasts, play magic, do board games, get awesome food, all of that wonderful stuff. The Gathering and the Magic all together. And of course, you can find me playing Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone or random other games or anything else that you can find at uh, Brasky1142 on Twitch, and you can find me on Twitter at Brasky1142 as well. You can also find out about all of our different esports teams at www.swagoy.com. And we will see you all next week. Bye! Bye! Bye!